God, I know you're great, but are you good? Are you kind? Do you care about my struggle? Do you care about this crisis that I'm facing? That is a whole other level of trust. And that level of trust is really born in the context of relationship. Welcome to Imagine Yourself, where we help you imagine the next chapter of life with grace, gratitude, courage, and faith. I'm Lene, here with Sandy. Today, we want to imagine what life looks like when we stop trying to claw our way forward with the spirit of fear and desperation. What if we genuinely surrender our fears and our striving to God? Now, we can still do intentional, actionable work, but with a foundation of faith, not fear. This episode will have us all reflecting who or what are you living your life for? Is it money, status, stuff, only for ourselves, only for other people? Or are we living for God and his ways? We have a magnificent guest today, author, speaker, teacher, Erica Wiggenhorn, and she has a message for us and a new book called Letting God Be Enough, Why Striving Keeps You Stuck and How Surrender Sets You Free. We all need to discover what it is that we need to surrender to God. And Erica, we all need to hear what you have got for us today. We just want to welcome you, Erica. (laughs) Thank you, Lene. It's a joy to be here with you today. We are so glad to have you. So, Erica, all this striving, Lene talked about it in the intro. You talk about it all over your book. It's got to have a lot of its base in us feeling inadequate. Absolutely. There are things in life that we will face where we are inadequate. There's nothing we can do to force someone else to forgive us. There's nothing we can do to set an addict free. We can't cure cancer. We can't put a prodigal that we love that's just going down the completely wrong path. We can't pick them up, turn them around and put them on the path back home. There are situations in life where we indeed are inadequate. And the only person that has the power to change those situations is God. That is exactly what we need to hear. Because Erica, I often think, I try to study myself with the Bible verse that's very popular. It's from Romans 8, 28. And we know, and we know (laughs) that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And even though it's popular, even though it's a go-to verse, there are those times when things are not looking good and people are not looking good or whole years or whole patches of our life where things are just not looking like there is a way to work them together for good. And exactly what you just mentioned are some of those things that we face, you know, whether it's job loss or our child is sick or we're sick or our marriage is falling. How do we scoop up that belief and that faith and that trust in God, especially the trust? Because even though God has told us that there's not always going to be a trouble-free life, how do we trust? How do we surrender when we don't have the control and we don't know how it's going to turn out? Such a great question. You know, when I hear people quote Romans 8.28, and I quote Romans 8.28, 
one of the things that we forget is Romans 8, 27. <laughs> and in Romans 8, 27, what we're told is the spirit of God living within us is interceding for us. And so yes. because we are praying and asking God to be enough in a situation where we cannot be enough on our own, then the promise of Romans 8, 28 comes into being. And that's really what prayer is. Prayer is a place of surrender, of saying, God, this is bigger than me. I don't know what to do here. There was nothing that could possibly prepare me for this situation that I'm facing right now. I don't know what the right course of action is. I'm so overwhelmed by my emotions in it. I can't even think clearly to make good decisions. Those are the moments when we cling to Romans 8.27. All those things I just spoke are Romans 8.27 prayers. Yeah. God, you got to work in this situation. You've got to show me what to do. You've got to make the path clear. You've got to take this person and do what you need to do with this person so that it can work together for good. Because I don't know those cries out to God to say, I don't have it, but God, you're my only hope in this situation because I can't hope in Erica because Erica got nothing. <laughs> um, right? like, None of us, right. Um, then we move into the Romans eight twenty eight. But the problem is, is most of us work backwards. We are yeah. over here in the corner striving and manipulating and doing all these things and spinning our wheels. And we don't even stop and say, God, would you help me in this? We're just trying to do it all by ourselves. And God's like, let me in. Let me help <laughs> yeah. you. Right. Yeah. I know what I'm doing here. You can't see what I'm doing at all. But I have a plan. If you'll just stop for a second, bow your head and acknowledge, God, you're bigger than all of this. So do you think that's like a first step in prayer or whether you're going through something at the moment at all? I mean, just stopping and saying that and thinking that it feels like if you could do that every day, it would strengthen your belief system and just your ability to trust on the daily. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I think really trips us up in this whole trust is there's really two things. When we come to God and we say, God, I want to trust you, we are either saying, God, I believe in the greatness of your capabilities. I believe that you are able to work in this situation. Okay. That's one factor of trust. Okay. The other factor of trust is, do we believe that God is willing to be good on our behalf? So we might easily trust that God is able to make good on his promises. But we wrestle with, is God willing to be good on my behalf? Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other level of trust, because that really gets down to, God, I know you're great, but are you good? Are you kind? Do you care about my struggle? Do you care about this crisis that I'm facing? That is a whole other level of trust. And that level of trust is really born in the context of relationship. It's kind of like this. 
I have two teenagers, okay, a 15 year old, a 17 year old. So Same they, here. <laughs> they like, they like to play the divide and conquer game. They'll go ask their dad for something. And if dad says no, they'll come and ask me and I'll say, well, what did your dad say? Right. <laughs> and they'll say, well, dad said, if you said it was okay, then he would say it was okay. And, but I know when they are either telling me the truth or they're just making stuff up. Why? Because I know their dad and I know what their dad would say. And I know what their dad would think about the situation that they're bringing before me. So I can tell, I can tell because I know my husband and I know his heart for our kids. And it's the same thing with God. When we develop a relationship with God, when we begin to spend time with him in prayer, we get to know his heart and we get to a place where we can say, God, you know what? I can't see where your hand is leading in this situation, but I trust your heart. I trust that your heart for me is good and you love me and you see something I can't. That is how that trust begins to be built. But it's a relationship, which means we don't just wake up one day and go, okay, today I'm going to trust God. (laughs) (laughs) It happens over time. I didn't stand at the altar on Saturday and then Sunday morning when I woke up immediately trusted everything my husband ever said. (laughs) Fair fair enough. It comes over a course of time. It's a lifelong journey. It's not a one and done type relationship. That's very comforting as well, because again, our society is very instant gratification and one and done type of situation. And I'm going to read this book, whether it be the Bible or whatever book, and I'm going to be transformed by the next day and have everything all figured out. And in this case, God is our perfect parent. Whether or not we've had perfect parents in our life, God is that perfect parent. And I just often think, like, because I have the two teenagers as well, what kind of feeling do I get when they don't trust me, when they don't trust that I have their best intentions in my heart and in my plans for them? And even though it's not exactly what they wanted to do with the way they wanted to go, I did have a plan and I'm flawed, but God is trustworthy. And how would God feel when we don't trust him? And I love the word surrender, because even though it's hard to do that in relationships with our family members, (laughs) um, I do encourage people to really take a look at the way that they're surrendering their fears and their life to God. It might take practice. Like you're saying, it's a lifelong development. You can maybe practice surrender one Saturday morning to God, where you will be quiet and you will be still and you will listen to God. You will read his word. You'll think on his ways. And even though we don't understand all of his higher ways, we open up. And then a different day, you surrender the whole day to God. And then you surrender your dreams to God. You surrender your fears to God. You surrender your will to God. You surrender your life and your family, surrender your whole family and your yourself and just begin to feel that magnificent comfort and peace, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm sure these yeah. are some of the things that you will be pushing forward for people to understand in your book. Yeah. And letting God be enough. We talk a lot about 
a lot of different scenarios in which God invites us to trust him. And we look a lot at the life of Moses, whom I affectionately call the greatest self-doubter in the Bible. Uh, because I like that. He, <laughs> right? He feels inadequate for what God is calling him to do. And he argues with God about why he can't do what God is calling him to do. And it's fascinating when you read that account and God's like, okay, look, here's what you're going to do. And this is how it's going to work. God gives him the game plan and everything. And Moses is like, uh, no, it would have been really nice of God to unroll Moses's resume and give him some props as to why he was the guy for the job because <laughs> Moses did have skills, right? I mean, he was raised an Egyptian prince. I mean, he knew how the court of Pharaoh worked. He knew how to talk the talk and walk the walk and when to come in and when to go out and when to bow down. And this was his world he grew up in. He wasn't going to something completely foreign to himself. And God could have given Moses all those props, but he didn't. Instead, he just promised his presence. He was like, I'll be with you. And I find that so comforting because pretty much on a daily basis, almost, I walk into situations and I'm like, I don't feel like I belong here. Like, wow. This is beyond me. Well, I don't know how to do this. God is with me. And what's beautiful is God didn't just stop there with the promise of his presence, but he also promised fulfillment. He gave Moses a promise of fulfillment because he followed that up. He said, my presence will be with you. And when you bring the people out, when you finish this assignment, Moses, and I love that because there's no if there, not like, well, if you pray the right prayer, if you are a good enough listener to my instructions, if you're able to communicate to the people clearly enough, there was nothing conditional about it because God's plan for Moses, it didn't rest on Moses's performance. It rested on God's promises. And that's, and that's something that we can take in for ourselves, you're saying. Absolutely. All of these what-if worries that start yes. to flood our mind, there is no what-if. From God's perspective, his plan for our life is as good as done. It's when. When he brings these things to pass. So if you're walking through a season and you're like, I don't know what God is doing. I don't know where this is going. I just feel like I'm spinning in circles. Or maybe you feel completely stuck, like God's just set me on a shelf and I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. Is God going to do anything next? What if there is no next? What if this is it? There's no if, dear one. There's when. Wow. There's no if, there's just a when. And about your book, Eric, I know a lot of people are going to be interested in reading more. Is it a website, Amazon? Where can we get our hands on it? You can get your hands on it with just about any retail outlet. Amazon, obviously. Uh, Barnes <laughs> yeah. & Noble, Target, Walmart. If you have a local Christian bookstore in your neighborhood, I would encourage you to support them. And what about for you? Because... I am just fascinated by some of the ways that you helped me look at things that I had struggled with for many years. And I'm just wondering, so you are, besides being an author, you're a speaker as well. And I know that you have a wonderful social media presence. Can you let our listeners know how they can follow you on the different platforms? Sure. 
you can definitely check out my website. Maybe you're listening today and you're like, you know what? I don't really even have a relationship with God. I don't even know how to talk to God. I don't even know how to pray. Like that's all foreign to me. Or maybe you want to learn how to pray more boldly or in new ways. If you go to my website, ericawigginhorn.com, I have three free eBooks there that you can download. There's no charge for them. They're just for free about things I'm passionate about. They include 50 days to intimacy with God, what Jesus wants women to know about God, and the busy woman's guide to praying for friends and family. So go check those out. They're yours for the taking. But you can also find me on Facebook, Erica Wiggenhorn Author, and on Instagram, Erica Wiggenhorn. And I'd love to be connected with you. And we'll put those links on our website, imagineyourselfpodcast.com as well. And in the show notes, just in case, you know, if someone's driving and they're like, wow, I want to go to Erica's website, but I'm not going to remember it. So we'll have it all yeah. spelled and out. How do you spell yeah. Wiggenhorn? <laughs> yeah. W-I-G-G-E-N-H-O-R-N. But I'm reading off Zoom, so <laughs> I have a cheat sheet. Yep. So we'll make sure everybody has the right information and spelling and everything to get the book. Easy peasy. Getting that book about letting God be enough is so important. And this may not be the case for everybody, but a lot of my friends have been kind of in this mode the past, I'll say maybe even four or five years, where they focus on a specific word or phrase that seems to just really be relevant and powerful in their lives for a particular year, like the word of the year. And it's something that just seems to echo and reverberate all around them, anywhere they look. And this year, my particular phrase has been trust God. And I mean, I mentioned this in another podcast, it feels like it is a billboard just everywhere I look, I just either see it in a book or hear it or know it or feel it that I need to trust God. However, it is very interesting that last year, my word phrase, whatever was surrender to God. And I started to realize, which has carried me through this year and even through the pandemic and everything. When I really take that time and I surrender to God, this is in my personal life, my parenting life, especially my career life. Every time when I truly and actually surrender it, whatever it is, then that it starts to come towards me without me doing any hustle or bustle or striving or fearing or anything. And it was because I just had a moment to just pause and relax and trust and surrender. It's not like I always get everything that I want, but I have noticed this trend. And also when I start to realize that project or that person is not the end-all be-all, God is the end-all be-all. God is the one that I need to have the relationship with again. That's when beautiful, enriching, strengthening, supportive things and people and projects start to come my way without any heavy lifting on my part. And I just want to encourage people that might be a little wary of the word surrender or the concept of surrendering. It has some nice perks sometimes. (laughs) Like an advertisement, surrender, (laughs) and all is well. (laughs) Get rewards like Starbucks gold stars or something, Yeah, but better. Punch punch your card. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think the beauty of surrender, of surrendering that thing, right? If only I could achieve that, if only I could get that promotion, or I could finish that degree, or I could work at that company, or, you know, whatever that is, when we surrender it, what we really begin to realize is that thing, while it may be a wonderful accomplishment, it doesn't ultimately satisfy the craving of our soul. And surrender is where we really realize what our heart wants most is the love of God. And while all these other accomplishments can bring us joy and a momentary sense of achievement, like I did it, yeah, (laughs) they don't ultimately give us the validation that we crave. Only God can do that. And so the surrender is really the act of, God, I want that thing. It would be super cool. Ultimately, what I really want is to know that God loves me and experience that love in my life and the confidence and the freedom that that love of God provides for me. I can remember saying to God, yeah, it'd be so cool if I had a published book. And it was cool. But Surrender is really saying, God, yeah, I really want this thing, but I know that at the end of the day, what I really want is to experience your love in my life. You can say, I want confidence that this achievement will afford for me. But what I really challenge people in the book is it's not confidence that you really want. What you really want is Godfidence, which is the belief that God is always going to act in a right way proper and effective way on your behalf. God is always going to be good on your behalf. That's what we really want. Not self-confidence, but God-fidence. And it comes back to just surrendering and developing that relationship, like you said, because it's not always going to seem like everything is going great. Oh, definitely (laughs) not. In fact, I think God often does his most beautiful work around the messiest of tables. That's just his way. And that's not the story of the Bible that, you know, once I trust God, then he just gives me everything I want, like the genie in Aladdin. And (laughs) that's not the God of the Bible. And I'm a little older, so I can look back on my life and look at some of the things that I thought I really, really wanted. And I Thank God he said, oh, no, girl, that's not for you. That is not for you. (laughs) And when we get, you know, a few years behind us, we realize that some of God's no's were actually his very best yeses. And he knows our heart, too. God knew, don't let Lene have a great singing voice because she's going to become an obnoxious, uh, conceited ridiculous person. (laughs) So I only sing in the shower. And that's one of those things, you know, I'm just giving a little fun, but that is one of those things where God knows the trajectory of the way that missile would have gone. And it would not have been a blessing (laughs) to anybody. (laughs) But yes, all of this truly affects the way that we'll pray as well. When you sit down to pray, you know, you start off differently. You you don't necessarily just launch right into your list of desires. You really reflect on the fact that you love God and you want to continue to feel that strength and 
and blossom and that you're grateful that you have this relationship. You're grateful that you're on this journey with them. You're grateful that you're pouring into yourself with positive books and podcasts and messages and scripture to remind you of that because the world and all of its things are temporary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you kept saying grateful because I think that's a big part of trusting God instead of going to God and starting with all of the things that we don't have, all of the things that we think our life lacks, start with going to God with a heart of gratitude and taking time to notice all of the things that God has done. Nothing is going to build our trust in what God has for our future than in recounting the ways that he's been faithful in the past. So start with gratitude. That's very foundational when we are going to God in prayer. Yeah, it's also something that pops up in relationships. I do not want my husband or my child or my best friend to say, Lene, here's what I don't like about you. Here's what I wish you did for me. These are the things you don't do. I don't like this. I don't like that. I wish you would do this more often. I wish you would stop doing that. It might just be nicer if they start with a little honey and say, hey, Lene, I really like the fact that you do A, B, and C. And I'm wondering if maybe we can move to D, E, and F one day. <laughs> it's just nice. Like, yeah. Who wants yeah. to hear that? <laughs> right? Not that yeah. we can't complain to God in a, you know, in a legitimate, sincere way, but that just doesn't need to be our go-to. <laughs> There's yeah. Gratitude could be the go-to. <laughs> Gratitude yeah. is the best attitude. It's one of my favorite quotes. And we are grateful that you've been hanging with us, um, Eric. I just feel like you've given us so much information. You've got the book coming out. I know you do speaking engagements. So could you give us once again uh, your website and talk about a few of the things available there? Sure. So my website is just my name, ericawigginhorn.com. You can find out about my various books and Bible studies that I have in, written in the past. You can also take a look at my speaking schedule, some speaking topics. I'm available to speak to groups, either virtually through Zoom or in person. So there's contact forms on there. Obviously, you can send me direct messages also through Instagram or my Facebook author page, but you can connect with me on my website as well. I'm just here to serve you in any way that I can. That's so wonderful. You have just been a delightful guest. We have a takeaway time at the end of each episode. I have a little brief takeaway and then after I give it, I wonder if there might be something that you want to make sure that people walk away with and carry in their hearts and minds before we leave. But my quick one is just, I wonder if everyone listening, if they're in a, they're not like at the library or something, but if you can just say out loud this sentence, I am faithfully and lovingly following God and his plans and his purpose and his path and that is good enough because that good enough part is just the thing that can trip us up if we're not careful. And I just, I really encourage that surrender. And I really want to know, Erica, what do you have for people to carry in their little backpacks of their heart <laughs> today? Uh, I want to just finish with a really quick story that just illustrates the heart of God. Is that all right? Can Perfect. I just tell you a quick two minute story? Okay. So when we first moved to Arizona, it was the first time we had a swimming pool. 
And we used to get these little slithering lizards that would fall into the top step of our swimming pool and they wouldn't be able to get out and they'd get all waterlogged. And our daughter, Eliana, who's the total animal lover, she would go out, she'd rescue these little baby slithering lizzies off the top step of the pool. She'd put them in a Tupperware dish and set it in the sun on the table in the patio and they'd start to dehydrate and then they'd kind of pop back to life and she'd let them go. Well, one day she rescues this little slithering Lizzie. She gets the Tupperware, she goes to set it on the table and her little brother, who's two at the time, comes bolting out the patio door to see slithering Lizzie that Eliana has rescued and he bumps into Eliana and the lizard goes flying out of her hand and in horror he jumps back lands on top of slithering Lizzie <gasps> making her squashed Lizzie Aww. well Eliana bursts into tears and so I go off to you know try to console her like Lizzie's in heaven it's okay she's slithering along on the streets of gold don't worry you know try to <laughs> calm down my three-year-old right And then I just sort of forgot about it. Well, a couple of days later, I go into my son Nathan's room to put away his laundry, open up the top drawer where he keeps his socks, and I immediately notice this awful odor. And I'm like, what in the world is in all of these Superman socks that stinks (laughs) so badly? So I'm fishing through the drawer, and I find this neatly folded paper towel. And I open it up, and inside is squashed Lizzie and I take squashed Lizzie and I go find Nathan and I'm like why did you bury Lizzie in your sock drawer and he's like well I thought we could get it out and we could give Lizzie a proper burial and sissy wouldn't be so mad at me and you know I could fix it some of us out there we have squashed Lizzie in our sock drawer (laughs) We have something in our life where we made a mistake, we messed up, caused a relationship to go awry, we missed an opportunity, we didn't walk through a door got opened because we were too afraid. We have something we're regretting in our life, and we've buried it in our sock drawer with hopes that we could make it go away, we could somehow fix it. But just like there's no way Nathan was going to resurrect a lizard, we can't fix the past. Right. But our God is a God of do-overs. And we talked about Moses and we talked about his self-doubt. And his self-doubt came from his squashed Lizzie in his (laughs) tent in the middle of Midian. Because he had tried to rescue the people of Israel and he had failed. And so... If you're listening out there and you're thinking to yourself, you don't know how I failed. You don't know how I've messed up. You don't know how I have not trusted God in the past and the havoc that that wreaked in my life. You don't know about all my bad choices. I regret so many things in my life. If you're listening to that, I want you to hear today. God is a God of do-overs. And whatever that regret is, whatever that stinky, smelly, rotting thing in the sock drawer of your heart that you have allowed to hold you back, it's time to give squashed Lizzie a proper burial (laughs) because God wants to take it from you and release you from it. So surrender it 
to him today and begin to live a new life of freedom, a life of confidence. God has never stopped loving you and he has a good plan for your life if you'll just surrender it over to him. Lene's tearing up over there. Yeah, <laughs> I want up. to hug you through the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> you answered. I just truly needed that. And I know there's a lot of people who they got to hold on to that. And maybe no one's ever told them that before. Maybe they never believed it before. But today is the day to believe the good and to believe the hopeful and to believe the forgiving nature of God and in our lives. Oh, man. Well, okay. I guess to be professional, I have to say the ending. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We thank you, Erica Wiggenhorn, for blessing us, for coming, sharing with us, giving us some beautiful things to hold on to. Everyone else, imagine yourself having a heart-to-heart with yourself and discovering what it is, whether it's a fear, a stake, something that's got a hold over you. What is it that you need to surrender to God and let go of? Thank you for spending some time with us. Hope you got as much out of this episode as we did. Let us know. Leave us a review. Connect with us on social media or just drop us a line. You can get all of the links at imagineyourselfpodcast.com. 